Hey, you, you there? Are. Yeah, what's, what's up, man? Up, bro? Not much. Just chilling. All right. Well, I guess we'll start this intro. Welcome to the Performance Cruiser Podcast. Right. We got to do this Joe Rogan style and countdown, or are we just going to uh, That's already right started, in? bro. All right. All right. Well, introduce yourself. What's up, everyone? Uh, Mark Sterling out of uh, East Texas. Right on, right on. Currently riding a 2016 Harley Davidson Lowrider. Right on. And I am R.D. Harmon out of uh, Northwest Arkansas. Riding a O2 VTX 1800 Honda. And this is our podcast. <clears throat> so where are we going to get started? Well, why don't you kick us off, Mark? Uh, guess we can start with... Uh, uh, I guess we can just jump into how we got into bikes All or right, whatever. sounds good. Or how long we've been in. All right, cool. All right. Um, well, how about you um, tell me how did you get into it and how long have you been into it? Oh, man, I've been into bikes uh, shit, damn near my whole life. Uh, grew up in Berlin, Germany. Got family over there. I was about five years old. First time on a bike was on the back of a Ducati Monster. I've been hooked ever hell since. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Now, when you say you grew up in Berlin um... – like, were you state? Was your dad stationed there or something like that? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Dad was a uh, army. Mom's from Berlin. They met there. Right on. I was the end result. So. Hell yeah, man. And Ducati Monster, your first bike, basically. Uh, yeah, you could say that. Right on. Well, uh, I guess for me, um, let's see. I uh, moved to Arkansas when I was seven, uh, born in Oklahoma. So just moved right across the border, and when we moved here, my folks were like, because I had asked them for a four-wheeler for years, and they were like, uh, what if uh, Santa Claus brought you a dirt bike instead? And I was like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. And uh, my dad comes out, and he's like, hey, Santa Claus put the bike in the back of the truck, and I come out, and it's a 1977 Honda 70cc. And I was just hooked. I started, I basically built a flat track in my backyard and was just, you know, carving it up for hours. And after that, I moved up to an 80cc four-stroke and then up to a 80cc two-stroke. And then after wrecking a couple times, I decided it was enough for me. And... Then whenever I, let's see, I was 22, finally got a job where I had enough money to afford a bike and got a bank loan and bought my uh, VTX. And now I have that and my uh, my 1980 CB750. That's badass, man. So you pretty much got into it about the same way everyone else does. Started off on yeah, a dirt bike. Yeah, although all my friends had like the newer two-strokes. I was stuck on the old four-stroke, you know, slow as hell. But it never died on me, so. Yeah, it was a it was dope. Man, that's the funny part. Oh. oh, no. Man, that's the funny part, though. Like, with me, like, I, man, I the first time on a bike was that Ducati. And then, uh, shit, it wasn't in. 
I was five then, and then I didn't even touch another bike till I was probably 16. Yeah, yeah. See, my dad, I, well, I call him my dad. He's my stepdad, technically, but he always rode bikes. And uh, when we moved up here, he finally had some extra income to buy another bike, and he bought a – It, it looked, if I had to guess, it was like a early 90s, late 80s Goldwing. And he took me on a few rides with that, and I was paranoid that we were going to crash. So I was leaning in the pr- – the wrong direction and you know doing all those really bad habits and um yeah then he got the valkyrie and he put about 170,000 miles on that picked up a harley and you know all through my childhood he always said oh you know if you see a bike on the side of the road it's always a harley but um yeah dude i've just i've always grown up with bikes around me so it was natural i was going to get into it So you've just had that one bike or that was like your first bike was the, was a VTX? You yeah. Said? VTX was my first road bike. Um, you know, I, I was under this idea that being such a large dude, I'm going to need the biggest engine possible. You know, I figured like, Oh, a 1200 is not going to do, you know, a 16 or 1500 ain't going to do. And my parents kept telling me that as well. Oh, you're going to need something pretty big. And I found a VTX for sale in 1800 and I was like, shit that's one of the biggest production cruisers there is and i knew i wanted a cruiser not a sport bike so i was like all right hell yeah see man i was the opposite when i was 16 i was trying to i was trying to get the fastest you know the fastest bike out there i wanted uh about that same time was right when uh the bmw s 1000 double r came out and i was i was like that's what i need of course you're 16 you don't need that yeah. but uh I ended up, man, I, I started, you know, shopping for them and whatnot. The insurance is what, you know, turned me away from sport bikes, and I ended up on a Harley. I ended up buying a uh, Iron 883 when I was 17, sold everything I had for the down payment, and I was uh, working a job during my senior year of high school just to pay for it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I had that bike for exactly a year, and uh put – just over 7,000 miles on it, I think. And I pulled down in front of me and totaled it, so. Bummer. That was the end of that one. Yeah. I walked away from it, though, so it's all good. Yeah, man. I mean, so, you know, I've always been told, like, you know, in your first six months of driving a ride, you're probably going to get in a wreck. And it wasn't – it was exactly at six months I got in my first wreck. Um, on my bike and you know I've told the story before but like it's just that bike was such a part of me it was my first loan you know I spent all my money on it I rode it everywhere I'd already put like 15,000 miles on it and you couldn't get me off of it it was you know 20 degrees outside and I'm going to work and I'm still riding my bike and whenever I wrecked that right uh, it just killed me on the inside. And so when the insurance told me, oh, we can take it and give you like five grand, which is more than what I paid for it. I was like, no, no. What would you give me if I get to keep it? And they were like, well, we'll give you about, you know, three grand. And I was like, all right, I can fix it for that. So I ended up fixing it for like 1500 bucks because most of the problems with it, you know, with the exception of the tank, which is like a thousand dollars. Um, 
were pretty cheap. So I was able to use the rest of the money to pay off the loan I had for the bike. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Hey, it all worked out. Yeah, it all worked out in the end, man. It was it was a hell of an experience, though. I remember whenever I wrecked, dude tried to beat me through a intersection, and yeah, you know, I locked up my brakes, flew off the bike, and apparently at some point I slid down the side of his truck because um, he was turning and I turned the other way to miss him, and somehow I slid down the side as he turned. So I just narrowly missed hitting the front of his truck. And, you know, what's cool, though, is, like, he admitted fault and everything. Like, he told the cops, yeah, I tried to beat him through the light. You know, he didn't try to argue it at all. He was really cool. Yeah, it's kind of how the lady uh, who pulled out, uh, she took a left turn in front of me. She, she, you know, she was like, yeah, I, I didn't see him. Mm. Uh, she was taking a left turn in front of me to go to a fucking Chinese buffet. And, uh. It just didn't see me. Luckily, I, uh, l- well, not luckily. I don't know. I like to think it was luck. I, I ended up locking up the brakes and the front wheel washed out. And I, you know, I hit the ground. I stopped like a foot in front of, foot in front of the bed. So, I mean, it could have been way worse. I could have hit the bed. And that, oh, yeah, man. It probably would have been a lot worse. So, but they ended up totaling the bike, it paid for my boots and my helmet and all the damage that was done on me. And we settled it and, it, it, it is what it is. And then after that, I was looking at, uh, at that time, I, I, I had my first Harley. I loved it. And then I was trying to, I was kind of looking at touring bikes and I was looking at a uh, 09 BMW F, what was it? The F800S or something like that, or F800GS. It was like a small touring bike. Are you talking like I was the, looking at one of the those adventure at a bike or like the actual touring models? Oh, like the adventure touring. Yeah. yeah. The okay. dual sport or whatever. It, it was yellow with black rim, or yeah, yellow with black accents and rims and whatnot. And it was it was pretty good. It was it was cool. And then uh, I went up there to buy it, and I ended up finding an 09 XR twelve hundred, and it was orange. And I fell in love with it immediately, and I ended up leaving with that instead. Man, it had I think right. It was like forty nine miles on it. Right on, man. I mean, it's basically brand new. I had that for about two years. And I put about 12,000 miles on it. Man, I, I love that bike, but it was, let me tell you, man, it was a piece of shit. <laughs> it had electrical prop. It, it had electrical problems. Uh, shit, I had so many problems out of that bike. And it drank oil like crazy. Like a, probably about a quart every thousand miles. Oh, and it, it did no leaks or anything. It just, uh, you yeah, know, drank oil. But uh, that bike ended up getting totaled by a tree. So... Damn, you just had bad luck with riding, man. Yeah, I had bad luck for a little while, and then I I, I found Dinas, and that changed everything. Uh, I love that you said you found Dinas, and that changed everything. I mean, with all the Dyna death wobble stuff going on, like that shit makes me not want a Dyna. Man, I'll be honest my uh my street bob had a nasty wobble on it around ninety five. If you were like kind of in a big sweeper but other than that i never had any issues out of it uh held a straight line at 120 with no problems uh i really like the street bob i put about twenty-seven thousand miles on it before i traded it in i i got a a deal i couldn't refuse uh one of my buddies from here in east texas cody jones he was like hey man let's go right up to longview 
uh, one of the local dealerships and I was not planning on buying a bike, but they talked me into it. So I left with a 16 Lowrider S. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you got into that Lowrider S. I mean, those are rare now. Yeah, man, it was just pure luck and they made me a deal I just couldn't refuse. And before I knew it, I was signing papers on a brand new Lowrider S. Yeah. It was weird at first, man, because like I was going off, you know, the cable throttle on the Dyna or the, the Street Bob. You know, the 103 and everything right. and getting on this. Let me tell you, cruise control is incredible. It will spoil you, man. I, I use the shit out of that. Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> they uh, apparently Honda didn't think to put anything like that on a VTX, even though from what I'm told, the VTX um, killed the Valkyrie. So, like, the Valkyrie was going strong in the early 2000s, and then they were, like, they wanted to go back to V-twin routes, and they made the VTX, and I guess just phased out the Valkyrie altogether, so all that touring stuff was gone, and all they had was gold wings. Man, you know, you got to let me ride that uh, low rider S. Uh, we'll see, we'll see. Oh, come on. It's, it's basically man. the same bike. Basically, <laughs> numbers for numbers. Yeah, I mean they're pretty, pretty close. close. Like, we'll we'll see. We'll uh, if I'm able to make it up there in Oklahoma in April, we'll have to we'll have to race or something and see what's up. Yeah, well, I don't know about no race because I mean, you, clearly you're gonna blow me off the line because you've got six gears and a belt drive. I have a shaft drive and five gears, so. And I'm like 150 pounds heavier than you. Ah, uh, we'll see. Maybe that Honda, it'll, uh, it might surprise us both. And yeah, maybe, maybe. You no, know, hoss mass. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it'll get up and go pretty well. It's, it definitely likes the uh, mid range. You know, it's not real great at the top end. Of course, I've only ever taken it to, uh, you know, down in Mexico, about 114. But, uh, you know, it's it's a it's pretty powerful bike for me, at least. Ah, man. Don't get on the lowrider S then. Well, now, you don't want to drop a gear or, well, you don't want to shift up if you're ever in a corner with that bike. I don't know what it is about that bike but like say you're going through an intersection you like going left or whatnot and you like go from first to second it'll just slide out right underneath you it'll get real tail happy yeah so uh, was it just torquey it is it's pretty torquey um you know, it just depends on the gear. You know, first gear is not super torquey. You drop in the second, and it just comes alive. I don't know how the gearing works because you got the rear differential plus the transmission gears. Right. Yeah, so I don't know exactly how that works and how it's balanced, but it's pretty fucking fast to me. I don't know, man. Like, I like my bike as fast, but the, I always want faster. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've got, you know, the 110's fun, and I love it, and it's crazy. Oh, my God, it's ridiculous. But 
eventually a one seventeen with some cams, a little better too. Yeah. That's that's probably the end goal. Yeah. You know, uh, talking about that, what is there anything you want to do to your bike currently? Motor-wise or just in general? In general. Oh, man. Yeah, of course. There's always something. Uh, I mean, eventually – well, I guess right now getting started – like get, getting ready for this uh, trip in April up to Oklahoma for a uh, Fast Life uh, garage, their uh, second camp out. Uh, I don't know. It'd be cool to get some saddlebags on it, some type of bag. Uh Either that or a sissy bar and just strap the, you know, the bag to the, to the bar. But uh, I mean, long term goals, yeah, one seventeen or a one twenty kit eventually, or the one twenty motor. But uh, man, as is, the bike's plenty powerful. It gets the job done. It'll haul ass. The big thing I want to do eventually is uh, suspension. Work is suspension, and uh, I'm not. Kind of fucking suck. I'm not a huge fan of the front. They're a little soft. I think they're a little spun. Yeah. Uh, they they could definitely have a little more bite to them. I don't know if that's just they. You know what that could be. Um, rest, it's got dual front brakes. They honestly feel exactly the same, if not less, than the single disc on my street bob. It's really weird. Hmm. Have you thought about doing braided cables in the front? I have, but uh. Finances, yeah. you know. I understand. I, I make do with what I got. I eventually, you know, I'll buy all the good shit. And, but for right now, it's mostly get what you can while you can. Hey man, I, I ran scripts on my them. bike for a year, so I know what it's like. But honestly, but like one thing I really kind of need to do eventually, and hopefully maybe before uh that camp house, maybe get a new uh air filter on the bike last shit last february so it's been a year now i uh high sided it in some mud and got chunked like 15 Ugh. feet and uh the bike like the bike for the most part didn't really have any damage except the bars the factory bars were shot but the air filter got kind of fucked up so i gotta change it i, I haven't gotten around to changing that just because i'm lazy and it still works it's not, you know, visually, it's not the prettiest, but it gets the job yeah, done. Yeah, I understand. I actually, I mean, you saw, I just put that can in filter in, and it. I haven't noticed a huge performance boost, like they say, but it definitely feels like it's breathing easier. Yeah, it's great. Like, going from the street bob to the low rider, like, you can – you can feel a difference in the like the intake, I guess you could say. Like it definitely breathes better because you know, the uh, shit. The street bob just came with that you know cheap ass factory uh, filter, and then you got the one on the lowrider. It's you know full K and N system, and you can hear it. It's wild. Okay, all right. Oh, well, I definitely think you should do the sissy bar. You know, do full seventy style, just big old tall sissy bar, strap a duffel on the back. That'd be dope. That's what I had on my uh, yeah. That's what I had on my street bob. It was like three feet tall. You strap anything to it. Yeah, I think that'd be dope. I got that shorty sissy bar on mine, and I'm always wanting to just you know say fuck it and like build a bigger one on top of it because they don't they don't make right. taller ones for the VTX. Like you to find parts, any custom parts for a VTX is damn near impossible. 
it's either like Kyriakin Chrome, you know, catalog crap, or right. really expensive billet pieces for show bikes. No in between. No in between. And you know, like when it comes to suspension, the only people making uh, suspension is progressive, so kind of shit out of luck if I wanted legends or anything like that. Right. I mean, progressive, they get the job done. Yeah, though. no, they got that new, um, oh, what is it, the 666 or something like that? I think. What? 660 series or yeah. whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, series I've, seen that. I've heard good things about, but, you know, finances. Yeah, shit. I feel like that's going to be the answer to a lot of things for us is finances. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, plus I got this uh, move in Phoenix, you know, in uh, June, so I can't really spend a bunch of money on, you know, bike stuff right now. Right. Congratulations on that, by the way. That's pretty cool going to – it's MMI or – Yeah. That's pretty badass. What else is down there? Is it Wyotech is the other uh, one? I think so. Um, I know UTI, the people that own MMI, they have other campuses for like automotive and stuff like that there. Yeah. It really sucks that they only have, what is it, like Daytona and Arizona's it, Yeah, right? there's nothing in Texas, nothing in Kansas, nothing closer. That's crazy. Now, there is a Harley program at a community college in like middle of nowhere, Kansas, but you know, from all the guys I talk to, like MMI is just the place to go. So, yeah, that's what I've always heard. Yeah, plus they just dropped their tuition fees, and uh, like it used to be about thirty grand. Now it's about nineteen. Oh, really? Yeah. Shit. Wow, that ain't bad yeah, at all. Yeah, it used to be like a year and a half or something like that. Now it's uh ten months. So they cut out a lot of unnecessary stuff and just focused on the core. And I just, uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything, but I did get my grants back, and about half of it's going to be covered. So, well, that's good. Yeah, so I'm not going to be out a huge chunk of change, I guess. It's a good investment. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. Well, you know, I mean, it's a passion. It gives me a purpose in what I do. You know, and it pays better than what I get paid now. Right. So you're you're going for the Harley program or just bikes? Oh, uh, Harley. So like it'll be um, just basic core classes for the first, I think it's eight weeks, and then you move on into the specialty. So like Kawasaki, Honda, stuff like that. And I figured if I'm gonna do any of them, I'm just gonna go Harley because all my friends ride Harleys. It's something I dig. Being a Honda tech sounds boring. I'm I'm not gonna lie, it does. Yeah, like I mean, <laughs> why would you want to work on bikes that just never get work done on them? You know, like Harley guys will take their bikes in and get them worked and pampered. Honda guys don't give a shit. And I feel like more is, is like Harley dealerships and like the mechanics. It's going to be mostly the aftermarket stuff they're doing. Yeah. More than anything is add-ons and stuff. Like I don't think Honda has that big of like a wide variety of like aftermarket parts. Hell no. Like Harley no. does. Like no, the only other company I can think of with a good aftermarket would be Triumph, 
they have a pretty good aftermarket. It's not as big as Harley, but it's it's bigger than all the other companies. Yeah, you don't see any other company customizing and changing like you do with no, Harley. No, and that's a real shame too. You know, I'm hoping Indian will uh will be the next ones up to really focus on the aftermarket and you know work with the different companies, but it still hasn't. There's not a lot coming out yet. Not yet, but they've definitely made pretty good progress over the past couple of years, especially with like the Scout and all that, and yeah. adding, you know, the fairings and mid controls and yeah. pipes and no, whatnot. No, they're, they're doing yeah. good. Uh, some of the pipe manufacturers are really starting to focus in on that Scout, especially. And uh, I know like Memphis Shades has three or four different fairings now. I mean, it's it's building, but it's still not huge. Nowhere near no, Harley. But I also think that's because Harley has so many different models, and that's actually something I wanted to talk about. Um, how do you feel about these new models? You're a Dyna guy. What do you think? Uh, the new Softail model? The or? new Softails. I've ridden a handful of them. Uh, I absolutely love them. Visually, they're not all that bad. Like At first, I was like, eh. They weren't like when I first saw the Cyclops eye on the fucking Fat Bob, I was like, what the hell is this? But over time, you know, seeing a couple of them done right, uh, you know, I think there was one at the uh, the camp out. It was uh, had some T bars on it and everything, and it, it looked really good. Uh, I think Harley really, really fucked up by just giving it the wrong name. I feel like if they were going to, you know, kill off Dinas, kill off Softails, they should have gave it a different name. And I think you know, the blowback wouldn't have been near as bad. You know, if they would have gone with a different name, they would have been better right. off. Right. I think you were the one that said monotail or something like that. Yes, yeah, something like that. You know, you got the mono shock underneath I, the seat. Call it monotail. I, I think that's great. There was so many I options. Mean, I think calling it monotail would actually be great because it's a new brand. You're not basing off a of Dyna. You're not basing off the old school soft tails that everyone thinks about as these older just basic cruisers these bikes perform yeah. i mean they're nice oh yeah i've seen them in action man they they haul ass they uh they handle way better than the dinas did i mean if i had the money i would totally add one to my collection right. but it's not a huge priority but eventually i'd love to have either the low rider or, uh the sport glides pretty wicked uh yeah, I just, I, you know, wait and see what comes out over the next few years. See if anything different, you know, see a Lowrider S version in the uh, the Softone line would be pretty pretty sweet. But, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to lie. At first, I was completely against it. But, it's, you know, they've only been out for like a year and a handful of months. And to see what's been done to them in such a short amount of time is mind-blowing. Yeah, it's amazing. And what can – yeah, it's it's – so, I mean, you you know Mark's uh, Mark out of uh, Texas Performance MC. Texas yeah. Performance, yeah. Texas Performance, man. His uh, his blue lowrider. That thing is it's it's immaculate, man. It's it's fucking crazy. Well, it's like it's a gorgeous bike. It's like I said, it was you know just the the perfect soft tail. You know, it's everything great about Dinas moved into the soft tails. Yeah. But, and, you know, and that's the other thing, too. Um, it seems like a lot of the Dyna bros are moving to the soft tails. You got Connor FXDB. He has moved to a soft tail. 
Um, Mark was never really a Dinah guy, but he's got a soft tail now. Um, I think, uh, was it uh, Trenton? He's got one. Yeah, he's got a sport glide, right? Yeah, he's right? got a sport glide. And then um, I think Kyle, you know, I mean, he uh, he wiped out on his uh, Dinah. I know he's looking into trying to get a road glide, but I don't know. He might end up getting like a, a sport glide or, hell, maybe even a heritage. I think you could make a heritage badass. Man, I was looking at the uh, – was that the new Softail Slims in like – was that like canary yellow or whatever color? It's like an old vintage yeah. yellow. I think you throw if you would throw some some T bars in a two, you know, a two and a one on it, it would look really badass, and it would probably handle better than a Dino would. I'd like to see, um, I'd like to see them take some of those paint schemes from like the the twelve hundred and eighty three customs and the AMF style paint and bring it over to the soft gels. I think that'd be pretty rad. Yeah, that would that would look really. Hey man, I I don't know what happened there. So uh, yeah, what happened? Uh, I guess we'll call this part two. Yeah, part two of the first podcast. Uh, (laughs) What a great start, right? Uh, Don't know. It might have picked up, but I was saying, uh, you know, as much as I like the new soft tails, I think I'd end up on a road glide or a road king first. Yeah, I know you were talking about that um, earlier on Facebook, uh, looking into a purpose-built road glide. And I, I don't know, man. I feel like the road glide's overplayed. I see it all the time here. I mean... I don't know, man. Out in here in East Texas, I'm not going to lie. Most of the bikers here, the, the cheesy, corny... You know, eight hangers. Yeah. Drive drive back and forth to the bar type shit. Not really. I'm not saying they don't ride. Obviously, they ride. They got bikes, but uh, it's not the kind of riding I do. And we we really don't have a lot of road glides around here. Like one of my buddies, he he just got a road glide, and it's badass. It's uh one the it's a 107. I think it's 107. The Milwaukee eights. I mean, it hauls ass. But uh, man, I was anti bagger. Until I saw Steve Chamberlain up there in Oklahoma. (laughs) Dude, his bike, I can't even. Like, I just can't. Watching that thing move the way it did and outperform my Dyna, I just – it was badass to see, but it was also super fucking depressing. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, do you think you're you're badass and whatnot and you got a dope bike and – you're riding hard, and then this dude's just flying by everybody like it's nothing. Yep, man, that's pretty much how it went. Like, I, you know, when we first started the ride up there in Oklahoma, I kind of I got in the middle of the pack because I, I knew I wasn't going to be at the back. But I yeah. was also kind of trying to be, like, humble and be like, you know what, I might not be as good as I think I am. Right. But before I, before I knew it, I was kind of up front with Steve and Mark, and, man – in my neck of the woods, I think I'm pretty badass. I think I can ride. I think I ride pretty hard compared to everyone else around here. And then I started riding with them, and it was done. It was just done. Right. Like, those dudes, well, you they know, take it to a whole nother level. It's funny because I had started near the front, and by the end, I was in the back. I had actually ran out of gas on the way back uh, to the campsite. 
And uh, thankfully, there was a, a kind dude who actually also rode. Um, he had a road king. And he pulled up in his truck, and he's like, hey, man, what's going on? And I was like, oh, you know, I ran out of gas. And I offered to pay for gas and whatnot. And he went to his house. It was a mile down the road, brought back a jerry can, filled me up for free. I mean, it was cool as hell. That's badass. Yeah, I love the biker community, man. It's, it's just full it, of people that – yeah. Yeah, but, you know, it's funny. What I was going to say about that was I started near the front, and I wasn't intending to. I wanted everyone to go around me. And um, so slowly, as we were getting uh, up towards that gas station, I just let everyone go in behind me or uh, go in front of me. And I'd never ridden in formation before, but I don't like it. I don't like riding in formation, man. That, that shit tenses me out. Yeah, it's if it's like if you've never done it, it's pretty like you get anxious, man. I'm not gonna lie. I was at first I was anxious. You know, riding with new people, you don't know how it's gonna be. Yeah. But once you know, once the pack started moving and everybody was flowing in the same, you know, that same pace, I was like, Okay, I can get down with this. And man, like where I live, like most of the people I ride with, the majority, like it's awkward riding with them because I I wanna go, I wanna move. And I'm willing to like lean my bike over and whatnot. And these guys are just, you know, putting around, cruising. And I'm just like, all right, we got to move. I can't just stay at 60 doing this. But man, that that whole trip, man, that was such a good experience. But about the gas, the whole gas situation up there in Oklahoma was all that was weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have a. You guys get probably what about 130 to 140 miles to a tank, depending. If like if I'm in it like really hard, I can get like 120, 130 miles. Yeah. But if I'm just like if I set the cruise control to 70, man, I can go like 180 miles on a tank. Wow. See, uh, you know, I have a, you know, my bike it's older and the fuel injection wasn't really done properly. And so it just uh, that and the fuel pump is built into the tank. So oh, it's, it, it's like that. Yeah. And yeah. so I get terrible gas mileage. Like I'm lucky to average about 35. If I'm riding aggressively, it's like 30. And yeah. so, you know, my light comes on at about 90 to a hundred miles. It's a real bummer. I can imagine so, especially up there in Oklahoma, man. Yeah, oh, dude, man. I was down because, like, there was no gas stations. They were like, yeah, the closest gas station is, like, 18 miles away. And I was like, oh, shit. And it was a combination. It was like a combination of lack of gas stations and lack of premium. Like, every gas station had the shittiest gas possible. Yep, yep. Well, not just that. It was, like, really shitty gas, and every gas station – was just far enough away that you're going to use more gas getting to it than you would just filling up at another station. I mean, I felt like there wasn't a lot of planning in that ride. It was just sort of, hey, let's go wherever. Yeah, uh, kind of, but it, the, but the, that's what riding is, right? Just going yeah, with it. That's, that's, that's true. I mean, there is a, that adventure aspect of it, and it was fun. But I'll admit, dude, I was pissed off rolling into camp. I was like, these motherfuckers left me. The motherfucking assholes. 
But, you know, at the end of the day, I had a beer and I was happy. I was like, ah, you know, screw it. it it's a good story. I mean, oh, I would yeah. otherwise. I mean, that guy was cool as hell. Who's that? Uh, well, I don't. I didn't get his name. Oh, you, you mean the guy who helped you? The guest? Yeah, okay, I, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. You know, it's funny too. Is actually Trenton was a. Uh, he was riding right in front of me. He was in the back with me, and uh, I told him like, "Yeah, you know, I'm I'm running low on gas," and he's just like, "All right, you know, just try and keep up if you can." And uh, I guess. He, I guess he never noticed that I had just like disappeared behind him. Yeah, I never asked him about it, but I figured like he just didn't notice. Which, how do you not notice this big dude on a bike just not behind you? I don't uh, know. We were all kind of moving at a fast pace and everything. Yeah, you Help. know, again, I'm I'm not messed up about it. It was funny, you know. By the time I got to the camp, I was mad, but then I had a few beers and really thought about it, and I was laughing. Right. But I have learned I'm going to carry a jerry can just <laughs> I'm not I'm right. not taking that risk again. Honestly, I might do the same thing with the amount of gas stations up there. Yeah, dude. I mean, they are just few and far between. But I don't know, man. I that was a hell of a time. I'll tell you. Before I went on that camp out, I wasn't a huge fan of Harley's. I didn't like most Harley riders. I listened to the Fast Live podcast, but I just, you know, I was like, I don't know about that. You know, Harley's just, oh, they break down or this and that. You know, meeting all you guys there and riding with you guys, it was the first time I'd gone to an event where I felt like, okay, this is my type of crew. These are my friends, you know. Right. And dude, I can honestly say the same, like compared to the local meetups and shit around here, like that whole group of dudes, like the way they ride, everything, like everything just felt right. Like I felt like I fit in and they, man, I've, I don't get that around here. I don't feel like I fit in with other bikers around here. Same. So it was good to meet up. It, it was just good to meet up with people that were like, you know. Yeah. yeah, no, I was Same already book. excited for the next one. I was like, okay, when's the next one going to happen? You know, can we do this in two weeks? You know? Right. I was, I was like, I can't wait a whole nother year for this. Yeah. This has got to happen sooner. Yeah. And I'm glad they decided to announce it for April. I think it's going to be a little bit better than uh, when we did it last time. Cause it was, you know, just super humid. I mean, good Lord. We got really lucky though with that rain. Like we, we got to do the whole ride with no rain and, I mean, the bottom fell out, was it that night or the night before? Yeah, yeah. But for what it was, it was perfect. Yeah, no, it was – we couldn't ask for better for that situation. I mean, I remember riding in. I was checking the weather every time I stopped for gas, and, like, it was just like I was in this pocket of dryness and rain all around me. And so I had my rain gear on expecting to hit it. I never hit it, and I just felt like the biggest idiot coming in with all this rain gear – you know, sweating my balls off. And what was funny is like, you know, I was racing against the sun to try and get there before it hit dark because I didn't want to hit a deer or something like that. And so I was basically tucked in between my fairing with my helmet just barely cracked so I could see the road properly because I got that mirrored shield. Right. And my glasses, my helmet were just caked in bugs. And I thought it was rain. 
I was thinking, oh, this is a lot of rain. But when I got there, I looked and I'm like, I'm totally dry. And I look at my helmet, it's just caked in bugs. So I thought I was going through rain. <laughs> Turns out I was going through a cloud of mosquitoes. Damn. Yeah, fucking bugs, man. Yeah. But it was worth it, man. That was one hell of a weekend. I can't wait to do it again here in April. Are you going to be riding up there that that Friday, or are you going to be there Saturday? I'm going to be there. um, I'm actually taking that Friday off, so I'm going to leave here about 7 a.m. so I can get there pretty early. Because for me, it's like 160 miles. Ah, shit. It's... I think it's, if I remember correctly, it was like, it was around 200 or more for me okay. on that trip. I think it might have been closer to 250 one way. Yeah. But, man, totally worth it. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better experience. Uh, now, I got to ask you, do you the leaders coming out in a bikini and stealing beer or did i make that up that, w- I, that was not a leader nope. that was okay so do you remember that dude who showed up on a ro- like a road glide it was him and like two other bikes at uh i think it was saturday was it friday or saturday it was friday i think friday evening or saturday yeah. Some dude rolls up on a road glide and he drops his bike immediately right in front of the check-in place. I thought that was Daniel that did that. No, no, he did nah, that nah. The, the previous time they went down. No, nah, I don't remember Daniel going down, but I know that this guy wasn't a part of the camp out. He was just some guy there. And uh, like it was him and a couple of chicks in this chick. Like it was, it was that Saturday night. I think she was hammer drunk in a bikini and she runs over and jacks a bunch of beer and takes off. Yeah, no, that that legit that that happened. That did happen. Okay, see, that I, was real. I was thinking it was one of the leaders that whole time because the leaders were also supposed to be there, and someone had I think told there me were they a were few hang- of them. Well, someone had told me they were hanging out on their own little camp spot out in the dark. Nah, nah, that was a whole. I think that was just totally random people. Taking advantage of seeing us having a good time. Yeah, dude, that was the weirdest thing. I remember for all this time, I was thinking, like, did that really happen or did I just make it up in my mind? No, unfortunately, that happened, dude. And it, yeah, it was not a. (laughs) That was funny, though. I mean, I was. We all had a great laugh from it, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, of course. Like, I. It seemed like everyone had just shut up and jaws were dropped, just like what the fuck's happening. Yeah, it was it was got real awkward quiet real fast. <laughs> yeah, and everyone man. just like watched this happen. Yeah, it was so weird. All right, so besides this camp out, what else you got planned this year on mm. any trips or Well Honestly the camp out's gonna be the, the big one. Um Right. Then of course I'm moving out to Phoenix and That'll be late June. And then I'm just going to try and check out the Phoenix bike scene. You know, I'm going to go see Rebel Reaper Clothing. Uh, shout out to them. They got some great stuff and they got a store there in Phoenix and that's where they're based. And I think. Who's it? Uh, Rebel Reaper Who's... Clothing. I don't think I've ever heard of them. 
You never heard of them? No, I'm gonna have to check them out because man, oh, I'm, you gotta I'm check surprised them. I have. They're they got some really cool stuff. You dig? I mean, it's got like the skulls and all that stuff, but like I got a pair of their sunglasses. Um, I think I have a set of their gloves as well. They got some pretty dope gloves, and they actually make their own vests as well. And they're really nice vests. But that's what I need to get next is a new vest. I got a shitty little dinner black, but right. And uh, well, that's the other thing too is um, not just that. Um, they also, I think they do like even like really nice button up shirts and stuff like that. Like they got oh, some yeah? weird products, but it's really dope. And I'm gonna have to check them yeah, out. Check them out. I'll send you a, a link or something. But um, all right. Yeah, so I'm gonna check them out, and I I want to say it's. I think Biltwell might be out in Phoenix as well. I'm not sure if they're. They probably got something out I, there. Well, I know Dixon Flannels out there. Um, That's right. But I can't remember if Biltwell is Southern California if they're in Phoenix. But I'm I'm just gonna check out the whole motorcycle scene. Everyone I've talked to that's been out there has said like, oh, it's a huge motorcycle city. There's, you know, all these different brands and you know different clubs and stuff like that biker bars i'm just gonna check it all out i mean with with two different schools out that way i bet the scene's pretty pretty badass yeah i mean that's what i hear um i know there's a few youtubers like uh you may have heard of him dan dan the fireman um yeah he's out in phoenix um and i actually i used to talk to him uh a little bit here and there, uh, you know, about a year ago when I first started riding, he's a pretty good dude, but, uh, I'm going to see if I can't reconnect with him, see what's up. Right. But, you know, I think it's mostly going to be like solo camping, you know, go out in the desert, you know, it's all free public land out there. So, right. although I'm kind of paranoid, you know, cause I, uh, I have a wild imagination, so I'm kind of freaked out to like go camping by myself. Ah, oh, man, you gotta do it. It's fun as hell. Yeah, I know. It's just like I'm paranoid, man. I've heard so many like sh- you know shitty urban legends and stuff like that. It just freaks me out. But I'm definitely gonna go to Vegas. You know why not? Uh, right. Go see the Hoover Dam, Grand Canyon, that stuff. Uh, I might make a trip out to Southern California. You know, it's not too far. And uh, I got some buddies that live out there. I might go say hi to them if I can. But, you know, I'm, I'm going to be working and going to school mostly. So, All right. That's still cool. Yeah. New area. It's all brand new, so it's basically the same thing as a trip. Yeah. But what do you got going on? Man, I man, I I started off 2019 on a, in a bad place, and I had some ideas of what I wanted to do this year. I uh, I know for sure I'm doing like I'm gonna try my hardest to go to the Fast Life camp out. Uh, after that, uh, I think maybe in June I'm gonna try to hit up Colorado. Oh, dope. Yeah, I wanna I wanna head up to Denver on the bike. I've been wanting to it's uh it's uh, like 
I've been up there a few times and I, I absolutely love the area. It's gorgeous. And I've, I've just never been on my bike and I, I wanted to do it this year in, in 2018, but, uh, that, that fell through. So I'm going to hit it up this year for sure. I just don't know when or how, Yeah, I understand. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm going to make it happen. Uh, I'm hoping in June, I was going to try to go in April, but I I just got too much going on. Got the Fast Life camp out. Yeah. And then I got some family coming in from Germany in May. So it's just going to have to wait till till June. But definitely Colorado. Uh, it's about 850 miles one way. So it it would be a good 2,500 mile trip, 3,000 mile trip. Um, yeah. After that, uh, I've been to Germany since february of 2015 so i think after i do the trip to colorado i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to chill out on the bike riding and uh really start saving my head try to get back home right on right on so do, do you have dual citizenship or like how does that work yeah i have dual citizenship uh if you All right, so part three. <laughs> so is that dropping on my end or your end? It doesn't I, I have, tell me if it's my end or your end, but I got full service. I do too. I've got uh, four bars LTE, so I don't, I don't know what's going on. But yeah, it says I got four bars of LTE as well. Ah, who knows? But this give people a break between uh, between. I parts of the episode, I guess. Right, right. But no, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got dual citizenship. It just it makes it easier to move back and forth between between countries. And so you have a lot of German pride, then. Oh, I've got so much. Let you know what sucks is I never learned to speak German. Like my mom always tried to focus on speaking English in the house, so. Like my German really, really fucking sucks. But like, if you know, if I go home, I can, I can do my best and I can make it around and talk and get from place to place. But for the most part, nah, my German sucks. But ton of German pride, uh, man, it's great. Like, uh, like I'm German and Texan. Like the to me, it's the best two places on the planet. Hell yeah. So talking about this Colorado trip, what do you want to yeah. do when you're there? Uh, while I'm there, uh, definitely want to go to Pikes Peak. Uh, all right. So here's the thing. Like my mom's German. My dad's American. I was born in Colorado Springs at Fort Carson. Okay. Uh, that's where my dad got stationed right, right before I was born. So ended up being born there. So I definitely want to hit up Pikes Peak. Uh, probably hit up a few dispensaries, check it out. Uh, I mean, it, you know, Pro when cannabis it and whatnot, but right, right. So, uh, I'll probably check that out. But for the most part, I just, man, I love the like, I was there last January, uh, very shortly. I was, man, that last New Year's, I uh, New Year's from 17 to 18, I ended up driving from uh, Sam Houston, which is in Huntsville, Texas. All the way to Denver, Colorado, and back to East Texas in 30 hours. Oh, shit. But uh, yeah, it was fucking wild. But uh, man, I, I went up there and I was like, "Fuck, I forgot how fucking awesome it is here." So I jumped. You know, I've been planning on jumping on the bike and going up there and 
the basically just camp, see everything as, as you know, ride around Colorado as much as I can, right? Have some fun and then come home. Yeah, see, that was my plan too. I wanted to do it um actually this summer, but you know, I yeah, I dropped out of college and you know, I was working, not making a lot of money, and I'm terrible with my finances, buying stupid shit like bike parts, but you know, whatever. And fucking, I just don't have the money for it. And now I'm going to Phoenix. So I'm just, I, I want to go really badly. You know, I've been there a few times. I went skiing there. You know, my, my family's middle class. So spring breaks, we got to go on one family vacation and we used to go to the beach. And after that, we decided we're going to go, you know, hit up the, uh, the mountains and ski. So I've been there a few times to go skiing and I had family that lived out in Colorado Springs at Fort Carson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, so I, it's, it's almost like a second home. I've had some very fond memories up there. So I, I, I want to go back. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, after school. Yeah, you know, do I don't know, man. I'm just after school, I'm hoping <laughs> to either come back here or go to Texas and find work. Man, honestly, the dealerships in Texas, from what I understand, that shit, that sounds like a good plan. Dude, I've been following Maverick Harley Davidson, you know, in Dallas. Yeah. Those guys are dope. They they just seem like really cool cats uh they their social media manager i think is what he is uh goes by the name of Lugnuts guapo on instagram really cool dude yeah, I think yeah really cool dude he runs their podcast and uh does their uh youtube as well and he um he seems like a pretty cool cat and i've been talking to him back and forth and yeah, I don't know, man. I'm trying to get him to come out to the Fast Life camp out. Like, I, I kind of feel bad. Like, I've been, you know, inviting people like, hey, you need to come to this camp out. You need to come to this camp out. But I'm afraid, like, I'm going to invite too many people. And then, like, Jace is going to be pissed off. Like, what the fuck are you doing? But, you know, I figured more the merrier, you know. Yeah, I, man. More bikes, the better. I don't think it ever... Like too many people, I doubt that 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 would be an no, issue. No, I don't think so. I think there might be, you know, a conflict of interest with uh, some of the guys. Like, I got a buddy named he goes by Glide Arkansas on um on Instagram, and he's a a, a Harley cop actually. Like, he rides the the Harley uh, police bikes and does that down in uh, Central Arkansas. And I don't know if he'd really fit in with our crowd, but he's a pretty cool dude, and I figured, why not invite him? Yeah, I mean, if he's if he's off duty, it shouldn't be too big of an issue. But like, well, I mean, you know. it's not his jurisdiction or anything, and I don't even know that he's really interested in that sort of thing either. I mean, he seemed a little interested, but you know, I don't know, right? I don't expect him to show up. I'll put it that way. Right. No, I've been doing the same, though. I've been asking a lot of the local guys that I think that would be semi-interesting, yeah. you know, head up here. 
you know, a couple of younger guys that are on street glides and they ride a little bit harder than the older guys. Well, I don't know any of the local guys around here because, well, I don't own a Harley, so I don't go to the Harley owners group meetings and I don't really go out to bars and stuff like that. So I've been mostly just tapping into my social media feed. You know, I've hit up uh, right. Connor FXDB. He was interested in it. Um, I think Biking Bird is planning on going, um, you know, the YouTuber. Yeah. yeah, I believe he's planning on going as well. And um, I, I can't remember who else I was talking to. Of course, Carl from Maverick, uh, Lugnuts Guapo. He's uh, wanting to come up. He's still not completely sure, but it seems like he might. So, um, yeah, I just figure why not get as many personalities as possible, you know? Right. Have you have you met Connor? I have not. Well, you know that's the thing is I haven't really gone down to Texas to meet any of you guys. I've just seen y'all at the camp out. But I've been right. following him for a while. Uh, yeah, man, he's a cool dude. I got to ride with him a few weeks back. Uh, went up there and rode with uh, was it Cody Jones, Daniel, his yeah. wife, uh, Connor, and a couple other people from the DFW crew. Man, solid people, really. Just really good people. They love to ride. Uh, Connor was really cool. Got to talk to him a little bit, man. And I think he's. Uh, it was. It was a lot I of think fun. he's sort of in cahoots with uh, Mark over at Texas Performance. Like I think they uh, they sort of work together a little bit as well. Yeah, he was getting some work done there the other day. I think, or some tires or something. Yeah. I know Mark's talked about it before. I'll tell you. I would. I don't know about you, but like you know, I follow like a bunch of YouTubers and whatnot. I think Mark would be fucking amazing, you know, if he had a YouTube series because that man knows everything about bikes. Man, I just don't think he'd have the time. From what I, you know, from what if, from what I've heard on the Fast Life podcast, man, he's always yeah. busy between work and everything. Yeah, no, I, I doubt he'd even have the time for that. I mean, he's trying to balance work and his family, so, and I understand that. Right. <clears throat> but you know, I don't know, man. Um, hmm. Oh. That's what I was going to talk about. Um, so I think I've talked to you about this before. Um, you know my feelings on sort of how the Harley line is going right now, don't you? A little bit? Well, you see, I've been, you know, obviously I listened to all these older cats that, you know, knew more about Harleys back in the 90s and stuff. And obviously, you've probably heard, like, back then, you just took whatever the dealer had because they didn't have models on the showroom. Right. And I think Harley needs to get back to that, you know? I think they need to consolidate their lines. Like, they have six now. Like, knock that down to two. 1,200 cups. Okay, yeah, yeah. You, you've talked yeah. about that. Yeah, I, I think there needs to be some consolidation because they're just making too many bikes. You know, and there's not enough people wanting to buy those bikes. Man, I I'm not gonna lie, I agree with that to an extent. Like, not with just Harley or anything, or like Harley or motorcycles in general, but all production vehicles. Yeah, they need a 
they need a I wouldn't say go back to the way it was back in like the nineties where you know they had three or four bikes in the dealership, but I'd definitely say they're they're overproducing. Mm-hmm. They're over they're overpriced. You know, you got the live wire you got the live wire coming out right now or in you know in August, just months away at thirty thousand fucking dollars and it's just like come on, no one's gonna buy that. They're gonna sell maybe they're gonna probably sell God, oh, okay, it's still on. Uh, they'll probably sell about. <clears throat> I'm gonna guesstimate five to eight percent of their total production, if that. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I'll say they sell about twenty percent of their production, and that's being very generous. Very. I mean, it would be great to see twenty percent, but they're just—they're crazy if they think they're gonna actually sell that bike for thirty grand. Although, you know, I gotta commend them. They're trying new things. Which is great. Which that's what Harley is, you know, from the get go is trying new things and thinking outside the box and whatnot. But I just man, thirty grand. If that bike would have been eighteen five, nineteen, maybe I would have considered it because it's a badass bike. It's it's cool. It's different. It's new. It's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be a torque monster. But for what it is. The price versus, you know, how many miles you get per charge. I just I feel like they dropped the ball big time. No, I agree. I was not expecting thirty thousand dollars for the what is it, a hundred mile range? Like one hundred, one cent or something yeah. like that. Like if it was like a two hundred and fifty, three hundred mile range, I could almost see justifying that price. Cause that's a that's a big range for a electric motorcycle. Yeah, because I mean, hell, that's what a Tesla gets is around three hundred. Yeah. So if they could have got around that, it would have almost been worth thirty grand. Yeah. But man, all that. But you know, I mean, we got to talk about this as well. Look at all their bikes. You know, the soft tails are the perfect example. The cheapest soft tail right now, MSRP is fourteen five. Whereas, like when you right. look at twenty sixteen, a Dyna. The cheapest Dyna was what, thirteen grand, twelve grand? I think twelve nine 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 or some shit yeah, like that. Yeah, so I mean, that's a huge jump. It doesn't seem like it, but that is for the cheapest Dyna versus the cheapest Softail. So like, it really doing a is. Fat yeah. Bob, you know, fully specked out. You're talking probably twenty grand. Uh, that that's just you know from the you know basic maybe some slip-ons or something. But other than that, it would be pretty much a stock yeah, bike. Yeah, it's a basic 114, maybe some slip-ons, you know, and a free shirt. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if they really want to capture this youth market, they really need to start pricing for that youth market. And I think you could lower costs if you lower the amount of models you're making because that their production costs are so high because they're making – Nine yeah. different models. I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah, no, it's just crazy. Like, when I was 16 and I was first getting into bikes and I was looking at Harleys, I think it was an 883 Custom or something like that. The MSRP was, like, right at, like, six or seven grand. It was reasonable. Yeah, reasonable. And now I think that. Now the cheapest Harley's like sports like right around eight or nine thousand. I just 
I don't get it. Like, I mean, for a $20,000 Fabob, the technology you get with that versus a $20,000 BMW S1000RR, how do they justify it? I know. I know. I mean, I like the M8. You know, I like the Softails. They're dope bikes. I love the Fat Bob. But I can't justify those kind of prices. I, I just can't. You know, especially – we'll talk about touring models as well. You know, the touring models, pricey, but, you know, not terrible. Still expensive, but somewhat reasonable compared to Softails. Right. When I was looking at, you know, like, say, the Road King, the Road King Basic, which has the non-extended bags and, you know – it doesn't have the powder coating or anything like that. My kind of bike, you're talking about 19, you know, about $19,900 MSRP. So we're not even talking, you know, dealer fees and stuff. You can get a really nice road King for less than 10 grand around here. A really nice one. And so when I see these guys like buying street glides or buying road glides or even buying newer road Kings, yeah, you're getting the M eight, which is dope, but what else are you really getting? You know what I mean? Still the same frame. It's still the same basic bike with a different engine. And for that money, if you're going to spend $20,000 in total on a bike, you could buy a ten thousand dollar Road King and put ten grand in mods on it, and you've got a bike that's gonna kill anything that comes straight off the line at Harley. Right, but unfortunately, that comes back to that whole thing of used bikes don't, you know, new bikes keep the dealership alive, not the old bike. Yeah, which is a shame. I mean, or not the not the dealership, but the brand. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, if. The way I see it is, why doesn't Harley just offer a buyback program? You, If you have a Harley that's one generation behind, we'll buy it back, you know, at a fair value. They can flip it. Right. And then they're still making money on that bike, and they're selling customers on a Harley. That's true. I mean, but it's not even Harley now. You've got every single brand now at prices that just don't make any sense for the general public. You know, you, you there's stats where, like, was it 60% of people in the U.S. are, like, living not at poverty but slightly above right. it? You can't expect 60% of the population to want to buy a Harley if they're at that level. And then, you know, you got a price of a bike or most bikes nowadays at least $14,000 brand new. Which, you know, I think also leads into my next point – the used market for bikes is dominated by metrics. Metric cruisers, especially Japanese metrics, dominate the market. You know, it, it floods the market because these people will buy them brand new when they're, you know, my O2, for example. That was like a, I think, a $14,000 motorcycle when it came out, and I picked it up for 4200 bucks. So, right, you know... It's it's a hard sell to go buy a new Harley when you can just buy a metric for a quarter of the cost. You know, I mean, it's right. And I understand it. Like Harley, it's a name. You know, it's a it's a it's a brand. It's a title. It's prestigious. But I don't think Harley needs to be trying to 
you know, catch the prestigious title anymore. They need to be trying to sell to the basic consumer. And if that means you got to make a bike that's cheaper and doesn't have all the bells and whistles, doesn't have cruise control, doesn't have, you know, ride by wire or any of that, then do it. Get your name out there again. Honestly, I think with a company like Harley, they've got that title. It's not going anywhere at all. Like they've got it. They don't, they got to stop trying to keep getting it or hold on to it because it's not going anywhere. Um, Honestly, I agree. They need to sell a bike. Even with cruise control and all those like throttle by wire, it shouldn't be that expensive with that technology. You know, if just, I don't understand why you need all that stuff to begin with. Right. Sell a bike, frame motor, brakes, gas tank, you know, keep it minimal. That's what people want at the end of the day. It's just something that can get them from point A to point B, have the name, and look badass. Yeah. Because you can make it look badass and not be crazy fucking expensive. Yeah, you can. I mean, you know, I hate to go down this road, but I mean, look at the FXR. Badass bike wasn't ultra expensive and performed like, you know, a king. So they need to go back to those roots. Something that performs, something that looks good, and something that is stupid reliable. And honestly, I think that's more important nowadays than performance is reliability. I think with most of these younger people, millennials and the generation after that, they want something that they can literally put gas in and just go. Oil changing gas. You got most modern bikes besides Harleys, you're doing valve interval changes every fucking 10,000, 12,000, 15,000 miles. No one's going to want that shit. Well, you know, and that's the other thing too is like when you're looking at it, you know, and that was part of why I bought my Honda was it's dead reliable. I don't have to do shit. I can change the oil. I can, you know, change the coolant once in a while. Maybe, the, you know, right. the rear diff oil every 30,000 miles and put gas in it and I'm good. You know, I mean, the upkeep is very minimal. And I, I love wrenching, so that's why I'm actually more attracted to the Harleys. But for the average consumer, they would be more willing to spend 15 grand on a bike if they knew that bike... All it will ever need is gas and oil changes. Right. I agree with that 100%. Because people want to pay for quality. Yeah, if you're spending 15 grand on something that breaks down four or five months after you bought it, it makes you pretty frustrated. Let me tell you that. And, you know, that's something I've been, as I've been digging more into Harleys and whatnot, I hear about, oh, cam tensioners with the twin cam or, you know, I, I heard about um, the valve issue with the uh, the Evo, and I've just I've heard all these different things. I don't know what's true, what's not, because you know obviously I'm new to this. But it seems like even with a great Harley, you're still gonna have to do a lot of work. My dad put eighty thousand miles on his 2013 Road Glide Ultra, and he had to replace the starter. He had the have the transmission worked on. You know, it, it just, you know, it cost him a chunk of change. Right. And I mean, for the most part, like my Iron 83, that bike was goddamn bulletproof. Well, I did not treat it well. Let's, let's, let's just pause it right there, though. The Sport 
texture basically hasn't changed in the last 40 years. Yeah, it's been a Yeah. But I get what you're saying. And I think that's why more people are looking at Sportsters too now. You know, not just customization, not just because it's cheap, but because it's a proven platform. Oh, you can beat the shit out of it and it'll just keep yeah. going. And, you know, that's why I have a bit of contention with these M8s because, you know, you do hear horror stories. Um, Adam Sandoval, who runs campground, his yeah. motor blew up. And he, he had a 2017. It blew up. It had an oil sump issue, and the whole engine just fried. Yeah, I've heard some pretty crazy stories about the oil issues on those M8s. Yeah. But, man, like, I mean, every – Every new model and issue, you know, new motors, they're going to have those issues at of first. Course. Uh, I mean, like with my Sportster, my iron, it was okay. My XR1200 was a goddamn nightmare. My Dyna, like my first, my Street Bob, it was a really good bike mechanically, but it had tons of electrical issues. Yeah. Uh, so far, my Lowrider S. Like two months after I had it, it had some small issues here and there, but it wasn't like major issues. Like my uh, my front left blinker, I don't even know how, but like the the threads on the inside of the blinker that hold it to the bolt underneath the mirror, they stripped out completely and the, the blinker fell off. Other than that, like actual issues with the bike haven't really been that bad. I did have an issue where when I changed out the pipe, I went with a, a fairly cheap a cheap brand pipe and uh when the header bolts broke uh, off cuz uh the yeah that that was not damn. fun the the pipe the pipe was under tension I uh 100% my fault I own it and you live and learn but ever since that header bolt got changed out and the pipe was properly put on the bike man it's solid it's it's a it's been a great bike. Well, you know, I um, I was watching uh, Maverick Harley Davidson. They have a, it's called Shop Talk. It's like a little behind the scenes sort of series talking with the techs and stuff. One of the techs was talking about right. how um, like the newer 103s and the newer twin cam engines, um, something to do with the the walls of the cylinder and the rings don't actually match up exactly they're using a smaller uh or a larger cylinder wall than the actual piston rings so there's oh, yeah wow. so it's slightly larger than it should be for the clearance and that they've had issues with um uh, i guess you call it oil blow by i don't know but basically it was messing with the seal that those piston rings have and it wasn't firing properly now, they said that's a design issue, but it's not like every bike is going to have that same exact problem. Some just deal with it, some don't. Right. But, you know, I'll tell you, working on this VTX, it's a pain in the ass. Uh, I love the bike. I don't know what kind of shit the Honda engineers were smoking. It's It sucks. Because, say I want to change out the coolant, right? I have to right. take off the tank completely, which means I got to drain the tank, take it off, and then I have to crack open the top 
uh, radiator, I guess, reservoir filler. And then on the bottom, I have to take off a side piece and then jammed deep in the back where you can barely get an extension with a, a socket on there is the drain plug to drain it out. Instead of just being on the radiator itself, they have the two, the opening in the drain hidden to where you can't get to it unless you have the right tools and you know where it is. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And then there's like other things. So like, you know, I, uh, I like to strip down my bike once in a while and clean things up. Um, whoever put on these pipes did an awful job. I, I don't think I'm ever going to change the pipes on it because one, I can't get the actual mufflers off. Like they're seized to the headers. And the headers, the bolts are rusted to the heads of the engine. Damn. Yeah. So whoever did it, um, the guy before me, I guess he didn't really think about that kind of stuff. So, and like I had told you before, the handlebars are all wrong. So this takes one inch. Yeah, you were telling me about that. Whereas every other metric bike takes seven eighths, but for some reason this bike takes one inch bars, and it's the stock risers. So I know it's not like the risers have changed. I don't know. There's just there's Maybe. things about that bike that just piss me off so much to where I don't even want to look at it. But it's still my bike, you know. Yeah. No, uh, I've gotten uh I've also got a 1985 BMW K100 really? and I kind of feel the same. Yeah. I absolutely love the bike. It's It's uh to me it's one of the best sounding bikes ever made. Like not, you know, besides Harley, you know, it's a 1985, but man, when it runs and it runs right, it sounds so wicked, but man, I've, I can't keep this bike running for shit. It's been a project bike for years now. And I mean, eventually I'll get it all worked out when I, you know, finances get better, but that's how it is for my CB 750, man. I bought it 700 bucks. The guy had built like a cafe racer scrambler type deal just a total mess and if that wasn't enough when i went and got the bike i blew a tire so you can add that to the cost and i still have not got nothing to run it has perfect compression spark plugs are fine but the throttle cables were too long and so it just didn't twist properly so there was no fuel getting into the carbs and then the fuel line was leaking bad. It's just been a whole mess. So I don't know what I'm going to do with that thing. I, I figure once I get it f fully built, cause I, I've always wanted a CB 750. I just, you know, it's a classic Honda. I love vintage Hondas. They're my shit. Like some guys are into vintage Harleys. You know, I love vintage Japanese bikes, especially Hondas. And so once I get this bike to finally put back together and in running condition, I've already got like three people that want to buy it from me. Like I have one person that's like, if you'll build it the way you want to do it, I will pay for all your costs. 
And so I'm uh, hoping to get that done. Um, probably going to get that done next year. And then I'm either going to just give it to one of my friends or sell it because it's just been a headache. Right. But I, That's kind of, I, I mean, well, I was going to say after that, I'm going to get a similar 19, early 80s, late 70s Goldwing. That one I've got some great oh, wow. ideas for because it's got the fixed fairing, you know, the vintage look. I want to do sort of a, a performance Goldwing, if you will. So, right. Like, go through, replace the carbs. Um, I've seen some guys that use uh, a Cooney carbs and whatnot, really got some good performance out of them, and then put a full VTX front end on it with the dual disc brakes. That'd be yeah, badass. the inverted forks and all that. Uh, uh, that would be one of my, my dream bikes to build. A performance Goldwing. Man, honestly, like uh, with this BMW I've got right now, it's in parts and just kind of sitting around. But eventually, uh, have you ever heard of? Oh fuck, now I can't think of their name. The I know the name of the bike, not the name of the company. The bike's called Red Asphalt. It's a. Uh, I, I recognize that name. I can't. Think it's a. Uh, B- I think it's E Fabrications that built it. It's a V4 bike. It's an American made motor, but he, he like built a custom frame and shit around it. And it's got T bars on it and shit, but it's a it's a V four. Uh aluminum gas tank, pretty bare bones. The bike's wild. It makes like a like hundred and seventy horsepower or something. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Um, isn't that uh Oh, I want to say that was Eastern Creations or something like that. That's it, Eastern yeah. Creations. I was thinking EFAP. It, yeah. Okay, so you know what bike I'm talking um, about. Now, it's right? like bare metal tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So wow. I saw, so I saw that bike, and then I looked at my BMW and was like, "Holy shit! Let me slap some T bars on this fucking thing." And uh, eventually, that's kind of the route I want to take if the finances ever work themselves out. Is uh, I want to throw some like eight or ten inch T bars and do a kind of a build like that. You just using this uh K K motor, which is basically an inline four on its side. Yeah. So the bike would look trippy as hell, and it would kind of have that you know almost Mad Max feel to it. So that's kind of what I want to do with it eventually. That'd be dope. I I would love for more companies to mess around with the V fours, dude. Honda had that Magna, which was really dope. I'd love to own one of those because they're super cheap and really fast. Um, oh, yeah, you can get them anywhere. Yeah, and uh, I know Harley messed around with the V4 before they made the FXR. Man, as much as a V4 from Harley would be cool, I just I feel like that would be a bigger mistake than you know doing a Dyna soft tail. But would it really though? I mean, look at what they're doing now, dude. Those those new concept bikes for 2020 those are liquid cooled fuel injected they're nothing like a regular harley uh, they are v twins but they look like they're based off the revolution yeah. engine so i mean Man. i'm excited uh I, i'm not gonna lie you know like i said earlier with the soft tails i didn't give them any chance until later on with these new 
this new line of bikes coming out from Harley in 2020. I'm not going to judge them until I see what, you know, can be done to them, what exactly they are. I'm not going to hate on them right away like I did with the soft tails. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The adventure bike looks fucking dope. Like the big, like, Terminator front end and shit. I think it looks cool. Yeah. The, uh, the only problem I have with that bike is the seat looks too flat. Like you're going to slide right off. Ah. I mean, most adventure bikes and, like, dual sport bikes, they have a fairly flat seat. So, I mean, it, it's pretty much, you know, on par with, like, what it's supposed to be. But who knows? I mean, maybe Lucky Dave's will throw a badass seat on there or yeah. something. But, uh, like, out of all the concept bikes, was that the, t- the Custom, the 1200 Custom or 1250 Custom? Yeah. The white yeah. one? I think that's going to be the, the fucking dud, like the turd of uh, the group. Yeah. Uh, the adventure. I think the adventure bike will bring a whole new group of buyers and riders. I think the Street Fighter might um, bring a lot of Ducati guys over because I mean Ducati uses V twins. If they do that bike right and they give it the right amount of power, it has a good chance of making it. They need uh, to focus that bike lie, I, on being a competitor to the FTR twelve hundred. I just. As much as I want to say I wish it could be, I don't know if it'll be on that level. I know, right? And not not even performance-wise, but I feel like the FTR is going to be cheaper. Yeah, I mean, they they hit that price market perfectly. You know, 15 grand gets you the premium model, 13 gets you the uh, basic model. That's that's awesome. You know, if you were to compare it to like what other bikes out there, like the uh, was at the BMW S thousand R, the single yeah. R, that's about what those go for. Yeah. Uh, Ducati Monsters, yeah. like the, was at the twelve hundred. Well, the thing is, I actually looked when they announced that one you know, of the prices. It's identical to the Ducati Monsters. <laughs> it looks like it too. <laughs> well, not just that, but I mean, like price wise, like it's yeah. specs wise, they're almost almost identical. I mean, yeah. It's it's honestly I think I, I heard that they were talking about working with Ducati bike. I've heard that rumor yeah. too about like a partnership of some kind. Yeah, and apparently it fell out or whatnot. But if that is the case, I'm sure they probably just took the designs and said, "Screw it, we'll just make our own." Because it's it's it is a Ducati monster. It's an American-made Ducati monster. But it sounds and looks way better, I think. I agree. Although, you know, I, I love Indian. I dig everything they're about. They're the coolest. I love going to their dealerships. They're always kind and respectful and chill. Not the same. I haven't had the same experiences with every Harley dealership, but that's just around me. I have not either. Yeah. But the Indian guys, I dig them, but they're just making retro bikes and I want them to start making more modern style bikes, you know, and they need a fixed fairing bike. Oh, they're, with it. They need a fixed fairing bike. Isn't the, uh, was that the, not the dark horse. Don't I thought they already nope. had one like nope. that, like a torn bike. Chief, with a fairing. Well, my dad's got the Roadmaster. That's not a fixed fairing. The chief or chieftain. Cause there's, Chieftain and Chieftain Dark Horse. 
yeah. which is like the Road King and Road King Special. Those don't have a fixed fairing, and um, uh, the Springfield doesn't either. The Springfield is just like a Road King. It's just, you know, windshield, and that's it. None of them have frame-mounted okay. fairings, which I really think they're – they could really steal a lot of Harley's riders because they already have a higher ground clearance. They got a Fox Monoshock. You know, every bell and whistle you could ever want comes from the factory. ABS is standard. You know, heated grips, right. heated seats, all that is standard. And they're not far off in pricing from Harley. They might be slightly more expensive, but for what you're getting as a total package, those bikes are dope. Like, I sat on a Chieftain and I fell in love instantly. I was like, I want this bike right now. It was so comfortable. I just, I, but I didn't want, um, you know, a fork mounted fairing. I wanted a frame mounted fairing. Right. Kind of like a road glide. Yeah. I mean, if they did that, I think they could honestly compete with the road glide hands down and beat them. Now, you're not going to get the same customization. And that 111, I think you can bump it up to 116. But I'll tell you, that 111, I got to ride it. It's a dope, dope engine. Even the Scout, dude. I rode the Scout. I mean, you've seen me. I'm a big guy. And I rode on that Scout. And while it wasn't perfect, like for me, I would have had to change like how the foot controls work and the handlebars and stuff like that. But riding it, it makes the same amount of horsepower as my bike. And it's half the size, and it's just so fast, and it really handles the corner well. I've always heard they handled really well, and like the acceleration's good, but the top end is where it lasts. I didn't get to mess around with the top end because I didn't get to go on the interstate, but just going through some twisties and whatnot that I went through, it was a very well handling bike, and it was very torquey. And I guess you could say it's sort of an in-between between, say, a, a Dyna and a Sportster. Like, it would be right there in between. Because it's a little bigger than a Sportster, but it's not as big as a right. Dyna. <clears throat> I mean, are there any bikes you're really excited for to check out? Uh, even From Harley well, or just anyone? anyone? Let's just go anyone. Man, I don't know. Lately, I haven't really been watching the other bikes lately. Uh, I've been really focused on Harley the past few years. I mean, obviously, I'm 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 a diehard BMW fan. I've been around BMW bikes my whole life. I absolutely love them. I own I own a BMW. Uh, it'd be like I've never actually gotten a chance to ride an S1000RR, and they got that new model coming out here pretty soon. I'd love to at least try one. I've never experienced that. Um, you know, I'd love to try the FTR, obviously, from Indian. That bike seems incredible. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I'm, it's crazy because, like, you got all these new bikes coming out, and more than anything, all I want is a 92 FXR. Like, <laughs> you got all this futuristic shit coming out, and at the end of the day, all I want is an FXR. So, I, I understand, man. I, I'm... I'm still kind of on the fence between FXR or 
FXR King, you know, you just do the Road King with the FXR fairing, because the, fr- the frames yeah. are basically identical. They're yeah, they're really close. Well, if you strip them down, I, I made a post on Instagram about it, like um, the the spine of the frame on the FXR is a square tube, whereas the spine on, on the frame of a Road King is a round tube, but it's hard to tell a difference. I think that the the like the the touring models might be a little wider, but I'm not sure. So I don't know, man. I'd like to you know throw a leg over an FXR, but I doubt that'll ever happen unless I just buy one. Right. Yeah. So man, I've I've never even ridden an FXR. I've seen a handful of uh, a handful of them in person. But I just know deep down inside, I want to fucking FXR. It's funny. (laughs) I was doing some research on the FXRs and whatnot. And one of the things, like the the Harley test groups, like the people they they let test the new products and stuff uh, from the the civilian market, a lot of them were saying, like, it's too metric. You know, it's too Japanese. And it's like, what do you mean? And they all meant because of that damn triangle in the frame. I honestly love that. I think like I love- the, the FXR with the with the full pla- like the the full cover, like you know you can have some without like I guess the half cover yeah. over the triangle, but the ones that have that full cover, oh my god, that's the best part about an FXR, right? I think. I've never ridden one, so I don't know about the handling, but visually that little section of the bike, that's my favorite fucking part. Yeah, I mean, if I did it, I would want an FXRP. I love the police FXRs. Oh, Jeff, dude, that one from Jeff Holt right now with the M8 yeah. in it. Oh my God. That fucking bike. It's insane. Oh, yeah. All right, man. Uh, um, I, think, I think that's an episode. Yeah, we've we've pretty much covered a lot of topics yeah, on this. This uh, part three's been about forty five minutes or so. Yeah, just on part yeah. three. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna see if I can't try and cut them all together into one. But uh, if I can't, it'll just go into okay. three part episode one. All right. Well, uh, tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mark Sterling. Uh, all lowercase, all one, just Mark Sterling. Uh, obviously, you can find uh, Performance Cruiser Podcast on Instagram as well. Uh, and what about you? Uh, if anyone wants to find me, they can find me at metric underscore maverick on Instagram. No special spelling, just metric underscore maverick. And make sure to go follow the podcast Instagram page performance cruiser podcast one word and uh please share it to your friends if you like what you hear we're gonna try and crank out an episode you know every once or you know every once a week or you know every two weeks whenever we can so as often as we can well mark have a good night and i will talk to you later you too man see ya Take it easy.